Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the pod that shares the stories of those affected by suicide. Lost a loved one? Attempted it yourself? Did you know that when you share a burden, the load is lightened? Come listen in with your host, Elaine Lindsay. Suicide Zen Forgiveness, the podcast, is for education only. Some of the subject matter could be triggering for those that are newly grieving or in a poor state of mental health. Please call your local suicide hotline or mental health office if you need immediate help. Hello there, it's Elaine and I'm back with you again and today I'm honored to have a guest that I'm positive you're going to find as interesting as I do. I want to give you just a little bit of a look into who our guest is and what he does. So there, I gave it away. Today, we're dealing with a gentleman. His name is Sid Fernandez, and he's originally from Miami. He's a first-generation Cuban-American whose mother was born in Cuba. He was an athlete and a social butterfly. He's married. He has two teenagers and get this one on the way, which is really kind of exciting due in August. Um, He is not only a Marine Corps guy from age 18, okay, who was deployed in East Asia. He also then joined the Air Force. He was a flight engineer. He was deployed to the Middle East in 2014, and he's flown over 18 missions to Afghanistan. He spent 12 years in aeronautics and traveled to 23 countries. So you know that this gentleman is very well-rounded. He's fluent in three languages, and he's also a suicide attempt survivor, which is why we're going to talk to him a day today. So without further ado, I'm actually going to bring Sid up. Hi. Good to have you with us. We'll get you to unmute your mic. Well, hi there. You see, I actually made the one mistake I always tell my people on any show that I do not to do, which is leave the mute button and not go Charlie Chaplin on everybody. So thank you so much again, Elaine, for bringing me on. Uh, it's wonderful to have you here. And yeah, that's something I do all the time or take myself off stage when I'm supposed to be speaking. So, hey, it's all good. It's all good. Wow. Um, you have, to me, quite an illustrious career. Before we, we came on stage, I, I did say thank you for your service because I think that's important. But I want us to really cut to the chase and start with why we're here. This had to do with your parents, right? I'd say that that was that was the triggering. I think that was the. I don't think that that's the dynamite, right? I I think that something triggers it, but there's a buildup, right? And there's always something that hits the flint, lights lights the fuse. Yeah. That was absolutely that moment. Absolutely. All right. So, let's go back to what it was that really put that. I guess in perspective, the wrong perspective, but for you as a child watching your parents, we are, we are often very triggered. So do tell us what happened. My parents, I mean, like anybody else who's been with parents or your parents have been together for a long time. My parents were together for 18 years before the divorce, you know, for, for kids, we're obviously depending on the child, depending on the personality, you can be all around or you can be someone's very quiet. Either way, I think for children, consistency and regimen, though we fight it, it's one of the biggest necessities of our lives. So when you have what to us is the, the example, the pinnacle of consistency, which is the home, uh, your parents being together and them being the two rocks in your life, when that kind of falls apart, you try to sit back and you rely on something that's also consistent. The problem is, is the type of child that I was there was none. I was already battling certain issues with with self-confidence issues. You know, I had a lot of acne, even even though I was a jester, I was always someone that was trying to make other people feel happy. You know, I was still suffering in silence due to, again, just my confidence. And again, what my parents, after my parents going through that, and I had already seen kind of the signs, but once you hear your parents say, hey, we're no longer going to be together, it was, 
it, w- it was a pretty big deal. Um, and then again, my outlet or my therapy at the time uh, was basketball and sports. And I had lost that due to poor choices on my side. I, I didn't, I wasn't doing well in school at the time and I lost that. So now you lose the rock and then you lose the therapy that, uh, that assists you in getting over things. Yeah. So how old were you when, when I was 15, tough, 15, 15, and was, was suicide or, or suicidal ideation something that was fleeting, brought on by big changes? Or was it something that you had, you know, mentally flirted with, I guess? I think there was, I think there's always, I think there's always a level of flirtation to, to that. You know, when you think about avenues, whether could be a moment of, of a lapse that you're in a dark time or not. You, you, you start to kind of go through it. Your brain is starting to just spit out scenarios and avenues for solutions. I think that's just the nature of what we are as people and as, uh, as standard engineers that we are of life, right? And I had already thought about it, but it wasn't anything that was deep in thought. Uh, the thought of you know suicide really didn't – it didn't just dawn on me, and then I just dug this massive hole. It really had been – something that was a, a granule granular and then when you go through this really really ridiculous time now it becomes from granules like okay now what does the sketch look like and then you start digging deeper and deeper into it so take us a little farther past your parents cool. split up so okay so now, now I now I get it. Just, I try to cut myself up a specific time frame to allow you to chime in, but I promise I'll go deeper now. So, basically, what ended up happening was this: I had already seen my parents arguing, arguing, arguing. Things had already gotten ugly. There were things that I myself, as a child, as a teenager, was seeing uh, things that weren't things that a father should be showing their son. Not that he was ever abusive to my mother or anything like that, but obviously he was doing things that were outside the marriage, and I was witnessed and I was privy to that a couple of different times. I didn't really understand it, right? So then let's fast forward to 15. My parents are going through a really tumultuous time. And it got to the point where, hey, we're no longer we're no longer going to be with each other. And that was following a massive blow up where she kicked them out of the house. So that happens. And then I want to say weeks it was like weeks after i get the letter stating that i can no longer play basketball in high school so and again it wasn't it wasn't that much of a surprise my grades were terrible i had never really been a great student i wasn't someone who ever really focused on school as an importance or priority so the one thing that i always turned to the practicing the the camaraderie the games the the competition level all of a sudden that's now stripped so now what am i left with my again one of the things that brought me a lot of happiness was just entertaining others the problem is is that you really need gusto you need need that fuel inside to be able to do that and that went away so weeks were kind of going on and the weeks started to blend a lot you know you kind of start going where you you think it's tuesday and it's actually friday or you think it's nighttime you're like oh my god like you you have no sense of your calendar your clock and then this, the thoughts of obviously suicide started popping into my head. It's like, no, no, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Then all of a sudden I come, come to the day where I'm like, I'm done. I had gotten home from school and I had, I always had a lapse of time before my, my parents had gotten home and I had a, I had a 22, I had a rifle, I had a 22 rifle. And I remember sitting on my bed and I was pacing. I was listening to Lincoln Park at the time. I remember that vividly. And I just started thinking about things. It was just, and it was, it, it was just piecemealed views and blast through my life, right? So my childhood, then came my laterhood, then the times with my family, the traveling that we did together. And then finally, I decided, you know, I, I remember opening up the uh, opening up the case, bringing it out. I loaded it. Granted, you know, 22s are, are, are tiny and significant, but it was the only thing I had with me. Um, I remember taking the tr- I remember taking the safety off. I remember putting putting the rifle, facing it up, just trying to get through, trying to get through, trying to get through. And then finally, I literally just said, "Screw it!" I literally put it, put it inside, and I literally pulled the trigger. And then I, I remember closing my eyes right prior to that, and it felt like kind of time stopped because. I remember kind of staying in that position and then opening my eyes. I'm like, what 
was that like am i here so i'm just touching my face trying to figure out where i am and i realized the gun never went off so i emptied i emptied the um i emptied the chamber pulled pulled a round out and the round had a small like i'm talking about like a small just think like if something had just tapped it in the back you know the firing pin had hit it but i don't know if it ever really made proper contact whether it could be because of uncleaning, whatever it may be. For some reason, that thing never went off, and I'm still here. So that was pretty much from the moment that my parents, or again, from the, from the moment that my parents finally made the decision to the couple of weeks to follow, then you had the other thing that happened with, uh, with school, which is my outlet in therapy. Then came the day I, I finally made the decision. I remember I, I dropped the rifle. I was crying. I was, like, over-emotional. It was probably adrenaline and shock at the same exact time. And, and there we are. And that's, that was, man, I can't believe, geez, it's been 21 years. Holy cow. That's nuts. So, and and that's, that's really what it was. Again, I think a lot of it has to do with perspective as well. You know, what, what overwhelms a child doesn't normally overwhelm an adult. Not to say that it doesn't happen because there are some things that happen to children. But again, I, I, re, I look back at it now as, as a, as a lack of perspective, you know, for me, what my cup, when it runneth over, my cup was really a, a, a coffee cup. Now in today's day where we've dealt with more, we've, we've gone through life a little bit more. We've dealt with punches. Uh, we've dealt with negativity. We've dealt with rock bottom. You know, our cup gets bigger and bigger. You're able to swallow more, you know, but at that time, this was the biggest thing could have ever occurred to me. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people, they suffer from, asking themselves, am I just weak? I was like, no, you're just not, you're not seasoned. And that's really what it comes down to. You just haven't lived long enough. But once you do, you realize that some of the things that seemed like was moving mountains was really just a molehill. So I'm thankful that I have today to be able to do that and be able to talk about it. So. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Um, So I I can't, that, that moment you're, Thank heavens the gun didn't go off. How long after that did your parents come home? And did you talk to them about this? Or your no, mom? My, no, no. I didn't tell my mom. And I want to say it was either junior or senior year. Okay. It was it was a couple years afterwards. The only person that knew was my best friend at the time. And uh, I had told him. And he came over. He was with me, spent time with me and was just obviously was just freaking out, but he didn't know how to react, what to do. And he was just there. He was just like, I just want to be here. Like, just let me know. And then he spent the night and then we spent a lot of time with each other the days following. Um, It was kind of weird. Obviously it was a little bit of, it was a little bit odd because I think it was, it was just from his side, not knowing what to say, what to do. You're kind of like in this weird purgatory as a friend. You don't really know what to do. And it was really like the first joke that he told, I think two days after that we started chuckling. I was like, okay, cool. I I think we can navigate it back to where we were. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because we don't realize how resilient we actually are as humans. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And the interesting thing when you're a teenager and like, it's wonderful that you had a friend that was smart enough to be there for you and stay there for you because it allowed you to, to go through the emotions of it without, without having to worry about the, the external world, if you, if you want, or without having to worry about having to tell your mom, what precipitated you telling her later? I think, you know, funny enough, I think it was a random conversation. Um, I remember we were at the counter in my kitchen and it wasn't, you know, it wasn't some serious conversation. I just kind of came out with it. I was like, Hey, listen, I just want you to know this, this, this happened when I, she was like, what, why are you telling me now? I was like, listen, it, it happened. You know, lucky you have to clean anything up. I'm here. I, I just wanted to move on from it. I was with, you know, I was with junior and this and this and, and she was just floored. I mean, she bawled. She was over emotional. Um, she did overreact. I think as as time went on, like anytime I got very upset at something, she was like, oh. she's your mom." And she, get, and yeah, she got you know the mama bear kind of came out, so she was a little bit yeah. worried. And, as a mom, again, I can relate to that. 
But again, it's just, it's navigating uncharted waters. If you've never been somewhere, you know, even Christopher Columbus didn't have the waypoints to, to get to the Caribbean. You know what I'm saying? He had to just do it. He had to figure Absolutely. it out with navigating. And, and not everybody has those tools yet. Not only does not everybody have those tools, this is such a valid point. I really want us to, to stop here for a minute. We have never been taught. We have never been given the tools to deal with those around us that are having an unsteady moment, that are perhaps going through deep anxiety, or that have had to put up with massive changes in your family. You know, we don't we don't arm our children with those tools in school, and we should. We do not teach resilience. No, and, no, 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 we don't. No, we no don't. and I, I think it's important that we start and this is part of why we do the podcast because it's about making this more spoken about it's about taking away that stigma the the guilt the hiding okay i want this out on the table so that children can understand you don't you don't have to hide that you have weird thoughts or or bad or, or sad thoughts, you're better off to be able to put them out there. I'm sure your poor mother would have been mortified had she known that her actions had precipitated you getting to this point. But had she known how you felt, had we equipped you as a child to be able to say, you know, you and dad getting getting separated or, or divorced this is hurting me and and then the basketball on top of that oh my god yeah you weren't left with an awful lot you know again i think what ended up happening to me and this is i can only speak for me because every you know no person is no two people are like uh scenarios can be very similar uh but there's so many variables at play you know, I, I had been taught resiliency from my family, um, coming from a family of immigrants, you know, learning about those stories and granted very, very small dosages. Right. My, my grandparents really didn't go into great detail about their resiliency, leaving that country or leaving Cuba until very late, even though they gave me some some tidbits. You know, my father being in the service, my father being a, a police officer, he was was more I was more, you know, was more raised uh with a, with a Brillo pad more than, you know, more than a blanket, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. I, I'm thankful yeah. for it. But again, even with that, even with parents that focused on experiences and focused on regiments and focusing on discipline, the problem is, is that until you're, you're doing it, until you're doing it, until you finally have the tools, you've been trained and now you put the tools to work, you never know how you're going to react. Plus, yeah. You know, you can get trained, you know, you can get the Ikea, you can get the Ikea dresser, but you may get only the instructions for the one dresser. And there's, there's five. And we all know how, how terrible Ikea is when it comes to instructions. And again, you, you just, you can't hold yourself to, you can't hold yourself to a standard that no. that's unattainable. And you made a very good point about children and learning resiliency and being honest about what's going on with their thoughts. It's so much deeper. And obviously we talk about suicide, which I think a lot of people are put on this stage as I'm this high on the camera, but things as simple as I like anime. Yeah. It's amazing how something so simple can be a detriment to kids that they don't want to be honest with their friends or with kids because yeah. they're going to get yeah. slandered or, or made fun of. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, so and again, that's, small that's part first. of that package because mm -hmm. that's what escalates those thoughts of lack of self-worth thoughts of of guilt because children traditionally tend to believe that whatever problems there are within the home they are somehow at fault absolutely tenfold yeah tenfold yeah and and, and and listen from and for me personally to speak on that I, and i'm so sorry but i want to make sure i get this point out there was issues that I had in, in my home. There were things my yeah. father was very, very hard about. And there were things that were said that probably shouldn't be said to a child. And hold it against him. Because I think the other side of the coin is we also have to understand that we carry a lot of baggage from, from, yeah. from our families, right? They're trained a certain way from, their, from the parents that, that raised them. Yep. And no one's perfect. My father said some things like, um, 
I, I got kicked out of the house so many times. I was dropped off. I mean, he had told me once, he had told me once, is like, if I honestly had a, had a sense that I can have you adopted, I would adopt you. Like, I would put you up for adoption. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, listen, it was terrible then, but I will tell you this. I put my parents through the ringer. And I yeah. look at it now, I was like, I maybe would have said the same thing. Because I yeah. was, I mean, again, I understood it. I understand some of the things that happened. And say, they're just, they're not perfect people. No one is. Well, no, and you know what? You, the child, me, the child, my kids, okay? We don't, they don't come with handbooks, okay? <laughs> We're not given a manual. It's different in the military. You get a manual. You know what you can do. You know what you can't do. We don't get a manual with children. And God help us, you know, some of us are, are afraid of our children and their little babies because we're afraid we might drop them or you know <laughs> do something silly because because there is no there is no book that says to you well this is how you do x and this is how you do y and this is what you say and the fact is as human beings it doesn't matter if you're the father or the mother or the grandfather or whatever your feelings can get hurt and people lash out Agreed. And question, it doesn't mean anything more than in that moment. Agreed. Agreed. Usually but, moments of emotion, moments of emotion usually come from just that moment. It's not something that was. Absolutely. It was nothing that, that was like premeditated or or anything that, that, that goes way back. You know, it, it's people say things and quite often they don't think. It's just. It, it's just, you know, words come out of people's mouths. Down the road, quite often, you'll find someone will say to a friend or, or, you know, a parent or whatever, you said I was, you know, too loud or too whatever when I was a kid. And the parent won't even remember having said that. What's that? You know, and we, we were immigrants as well. And my parents came from Britain my father was playing in the courtyard at Hollywood Palace when it was bombed and him and his friends got got knocked out of the tree they were in okay so like they have a different concept of what danger is of of what's important of of what really matters or what should make you cry or what should you complain about and that's with every generation right but the Agreed. fact is as far as we go back we are only now starting to be open about suicide we're only now starting to talk about it and that's that's what we have to do it's got to come out into the light because once it's in the light nothing's as scary as we thought yeah, when you keep it in the dark, you, you, you start to draw up what your imagination makes makes this nightmare to be. And what you'll find is in, in more times than not, we actually are dressing up this this thing, this this occurrence in our life. And when you finally face it, you realize it's nowhere near as big as what you thought. Not to say it's not something that you have to surmount. You have to put time in and invest your time in to, to, to remedy it or come to grips with it. But it's not as ugly as you may think. And again, it just comes from, again, my personal belief is that it comes from a place of, of self-confidence issues. And oh, I'm, glad, I, I'm glad that people are finally starting to talk about it rather than as a weakness. It's being looked at as something that we should tackle. And, and being honest about it now is now flipped, not a strength, which I think yeah. is huge. Um, but it's up to us to really take the first step. And again, what you said about danger and life in, in life's dictionary, not Webster's, in life's dictionary, each word has a different definition on who you talk to, yep. right? We have Webster's for a reason. We need an overarching idea of what the definition of a Absolutely. word is. But each person's experiences is either going to elevate or downplay that word. And danger, you know, danger to my kids is going outside and possibly finding a bear in my garbage. You know, danger for me was going to Afghanistan, something happening yeah. to me when I was over there. My father I, was in yeah. Saudi Arabia. Exactly. My grandfather, what was danger was to my... him? Being pulled out of his home by communists, communists and being shot by yeah. firing squad. 
it's it's all different ranges. You can't put yourself and and stress yourself out so much to put your definition in someone else's box. You've got your own definition. Adhere to it. Experience is only going to change that. Yeah, it's so true. And and we often talk about perception and how perception is different for everybody. You know, perception of of what is a horrid event, perception of pain, perception of joy, they're all different. And we can't minimize or maximize our own or other people's because we're not walking in their shoes. Correct. Correct. Hands down. I mean, perspective is I used to use a term, I used to use an analogy back in the day that life is like being constantly at an optometrist. Life is optometry. Remember how it used to go one, two, yeah. which one's clear? <laughs> two or one, right? You've yeah. got to go through it. You've got to say one and then kind of go to the next yeah. stage. And guess what? Your vision's going to get blurry again because you have no clue what the next stage is. It's yeah. the same thing with these things. It's literally optics. Perspective is how you frame what's going on. That's all that is, people. If there's nothing wrong with you having a different perspective from this person. Now, I will say this, and we have to be honest with ourselves, that sometimes our perspective is incorrect, plain oh, yeah. and simple. No, yeah. that's, that, that's, that is a fact. And my perspective in certain things is absolutely wrong until yeah. I go through it. Now, that I think is also detrimental to our growth and our ability to overcome. That at times we believe we're so firmly believing of our perspective and in some case we're actually wrong. We have yeah. to be open enough to listen to someone else's to say, man, maybe I don't, maybe I don't know it all. Maybe what I'm seeing is blurry and I want this person's clarity. Uh, absolutely. I think that's such a good point. And I know that for me, I, I often will say to people, you know, just take a step back. Just, just breathe. And you know what? Worst case scenario, go have a nap because when you wake up, from a nap or sleeping at night or what have you, you've got a fresh slate to start again. And you can start all over in that moment. You can choose to open yourself to maybe hearing other perspectives so that you can find out whether or not you're right or wrong. And sometimes it's not even a matter of right or wrong. It's just letting those other perspectives exist alongside you i like that i like that a lot actually i like that a lot like that a lot you are awesome to talk to (laughs) why thank you thank you so let's jump ahead a little and talk about how you have become this this wonderful human being who is i think very excitedly awaiting a third child with teenagers in the house, that's that's heavy work there. <laughs> Perspective, you know, I, I I look at it like this: my children are teenagers, and yes, we're bringing another another child into uh, into the fold. But luckily enough, we're gonna go the, the the Chinese route and have you know child labor with the kids. No, I'm just kidding. All right. No, my no 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 my kid. No, I told my yeah. kids very much so that they you know my my daughter getting close to the age for work, she's gonna be working that here. It's not her job to raise anybody. It's her no. job to teach. No. It's her job. It's her job to be an extension of us and teach her things that we can't teach her. Because that's the cool part of having teenagers and then having yeah. a baby is that the things that we're not well rounded in, the things that my wife is not well rounded in, there are things that kids have a bigger leg up because of their openness, because of their, um, they're not as tainted as we are as adults. We have certain things. Yeah. They're a little bit more free flowing and more open minded to different things. And I like that aspect. And I think that dynamic is going to be really, really cool for us. Oh, yeah. I think it. I think it's really cool. And, and we were talking before the show and my husband's family has, you know, there was 16 years between him and his only sibling. There's uh, 12 years between my daughter's eldest and there's nine years between my daughter and my son. So it it makes it makes for all kinds of families. But I think in each in each group of, of different generations almost, I think it's giving the kids more opportunity to interact with the, this new generation in ways that kids that are very close in age wouldn't have. 
I would agree with that too. I would agree with that very much. I mean, my kids have experienced a lot. Um, you know, you made a comment at the beginning and I, I love when people say that you've done great and you've done good. Listen, I, I, I've been a POS in my life. I have, I, I've had some terrible lapses, long lapses of maturity um, with foresight of, of being just a good person to, to my family. I don't think I've ever been anybody that's been malicious. I've never maliciously done anything to hurt anybody, but that doesn't mean that I haven't. Uh, my kids have gone through that. They've absorbed that, you know, through our trials in our marriage. And they felt that. And the lucky part is that the last three, four years, we'll say four years, my kids have seen a different version of it. And they were still old enough to understand what was happening, but young enough to still form a different opinion and to, to allow me to, to recoup the time that I lost. And I think that they're going to be able to share that. I think they're going to be able to share the, the fact that, hey, it's okay to be open about your emotions like we're talking about now. Yeah. Um, I'm very open with my kids. I, I don't talk to them like children. I talk to them, listen, this is, you know, and when I mess up, if I go overboard, I come up to them and tell them. I was like, listen, I messed up. I don't ever want them to believe that there is this, this hierarchy in perfection or because, listen, no, again, we've stated it before, no one's perfect. There's a hierarchy at home. Listen, we're the parents. At the end of the day, you, you listen to what we do. But that doesn't mean I'm exonerated for messing up yeah. or taking responsibility for that even yeah. with them. And I've yeah. made it a point to go to them. I go, hey, do you know why this happened? Yes, I understand it. Now, I will say I shouldn't have gone this far. That's my fault. And I'm sorry that there's a buildup of other things in life, stress, this and that. And you guys are just you, you caught the brunt of it. And that's not fair. I'm mad at you, but how it transpired is not fair to you. That shouldn't have gone that way. And what I think that it's allowed is it's allowed a dialogue that's very honest with one another. Yeah, there's still things they keep to themselves. It's, you know, there's probably certain things that my daughter talks about with my wife, things that I probably do not want to know. Yeah. But my <laughs> but my daughter, you know, my daughter still comes to me for things. She 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 can turn to me to go get me her feminine products. She's talked to me about the boy that she likes. You know, it's we have very cool conversations and, and I love that aspect to us, even though I felt that I was in such a hole I'd never dig out of you. Yeah. They realize and understand that you're not perfect. It's OK, but yeah. you're trying now. And that's huge. That's huge for building us up. Yeah. And that's, I think, the key to forgiveness is the fact that you you own your shit. <laughs> You ask for forgiveness and you try to do better. Those three pieces, as long as we continue to do that, like Maya Angelou said, when we know better, we do better. That's all we can do. That's really all we can do. But the fact that you're on that road and you are checking yourself as you go says to me that you're doing a, a great job for yourself, your wife, your kids, and your new one that's coming. And that's all we can do is the best we possibly can at that moment. Because the only moment we have is this one right now. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I, I, listen, we struggle. I, I, we can get into this all day, but the mirror has, the mirror, what, what, what tool the mirror has been to allow us to see ourselves. I'm talking about centuries ago when they finally created mirrors. Don't ask me what the, what the history of mirrors is. But whenever it started, it was really meant for us to, to, to see a reflection, to see us yeah. for whatever, whether it's to shave or to do something, to be able to see ourselves. But now, many, many years later, we're so afraid of using that same tool that was looked at to see each other. We don't want to see ourselves. I don't get it. But... I also feel that because we bury who we are, I mean, we are stacked up. I always tell people that I, I feel like people live with with their lungs at half capacity because they don't know how to breathe because they're not themselves. And they're just, they're constantly talking Only from this the, point, the upper lobes, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's because, and I can tell because there's just this tenseness to trying to be something. And, and I thought, that's why when I speak on stage, the first thing I try to do is make people crack up. Because it's like the second they can take a breath, it's like, oh, the shoulders roll back. It's like, okay, I'm back to being me. But this whole enemy in the mirror thing needs to stop. That That's yeah. your best ally yeah. you got. Because when all the dominoes are down, all of them are down, 
you've got to be there for yourself, plain and simple. And you've got to see yourself for who you are, good, bad, or in between. And guys, there's nothing wrong. I still look in the mirror today. I've got a little bit of flab. I've got things I got I, I to gotta fix. I got, there's things that I have to be better at. I can tell myself that in the mirror and not drown myself because at the end of the day, I, I know that I can change it. The only way to change is to owning it. You said it, and thank you for that, is owning it. You, you got to own your shit. You can hashtag it, do whatever you need to do it, own your shit. And when you do it, you don't realize the strength and the power that you've now put in your hands because you control your destiny, right? Punning it off to others. My son, I have to beat it into his head all the time. He tries to say, like, yo, like, no, take it on. It's yeah. your fault. Take the responsibility. Even if it wasn't directly your fault right there, look back. There was a decision, steps yeah. behind, that if you would have done differently, the outcome would have been different. Would you say that? Different. Yes. Now, that doesn't mean you take full responsibility. This person still has responsibility, but you can't do anything about them. You can only do anything about you. It's like, you know what? I know better. I know this was a misstep, and it could lead me to this result. Cool. I've learned it. You do that. I swear it's been a life changer for me. Life changer. This has probably been four or five years I've done this. Absolutely. I, I think it's it's really critical. And, and what you said there about the breathing and always being sort of on edge as someone else, it just doesn't work. I can say from many, many, many long years here, <laughs> it doesn't work. You're so much better off to be you. But more than that, Something that took me a very long time to learn, and I think it's important that we give this to people, is no man or woman is an island. We need others. We need a tribe to keep us going. And your best friend when you were a teenager, okay, without that tribe member, you and I might not be having this conversation. And so that's critically important that we I, have people. Yeah, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad you segued into people and community. And if you have another idea, please shut me up. I, I, I talk. No, no. I can run. So when I say when all the dominoes are down, at the end of the day, you have to have some sort of self-reliance no matter what. But that shouldn't negate the importance of community. Being in a community that's accepting, right? Being in a community that's because there are communities that aren't accepting. There are communities that are, that are quite toxic as well. But really, the true form of a community is a place where people can come together, share ideas, share strengths so that weaknesses are not as apparent, right? Because everyone comes with their own tools. You know, Bob the Builder didn't just wake up with a toolbox. You know what I'm saying? He learned it. And he probably has other people to help him too, Bob the Builder. But community is so imperative. And because... I understood that because my parents took me at a very young age to giving back. I was giving back from pretty much on six years old till the day I left to the service. I understood that community is an ecosystem. It is. Yeah. You're going to grab a ton from it, right? You're going to grab acceptance. You're going to grab teachings, education. But we've gotten to a point where it's only one way, right? And we forget we've got to give it back. Yeah. But if you don't, you are the, the sunlight and the water to a community, as is everybody else in it. Yeah. Without you, without you giving back to it, it will die. It, it will die slowly, but it will die. But community is a ginormous aspect. And that's why since I was a kid teaching or, or talking to kids at church and then talking to kids at uh, I was a campus minister in, in, in high school. Oh, wow. And yeah, yeah. So we did. Um, oh, my God. What was those go away things? Uh, encounter. You know, when you go and, you, and you're really trying to, you know, take a step, your first steps with God and whatever your religious beliefs may be. And being a campus minister, we were allowed a segment during that encounter. Oh, and wow. I spoke about that. It was a it was a place for us to speak about some of the toughest times that we had. And when I shared it, it's amazing how the room was in shock. And I, and I go back to what you said earlier about my bio. Listen, I, I I was well known in sports, not just in my school, but in the county. I was well known because because of my athletic ability and the, of just how cool and easygoing I was. So then you have this person who obviously is what we would consider the, the people that are very well known in, in high school. And he's talking about that he almost committed suicide. Like what? So now it's like it's not just a taboo, but it's a second taboo because everyone looks at you like, oh, no, there's no way he's got a perfect life. There's perfection because we're, all we're doing is trying to project perfection yeah. that is exhausting yeah. 
Oh my God. Disgusting. And now in a time where social media allows us a platform where we can really not only give what we think is perfection, but you can live it day in and day out. But then we don't realize the ramifications on the other side of the phone, which is you not really being real. You're caught up in a lie that every day you're going to, you're going to meet face to face going back to community. That's where the loving part of being able to be honest on Facebook, which I am. I talk about my life on Facebook along with business and every other thing. What's happened is there are people now that reach out. There are people that actually chime in saying, I went through the same thing. That yeah. they weren't comfortable enough saying that if it wasn't for me saying it. Community is a place where you can create it and allow people to feel comfortable in whatever skin they come with. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that although there are many negatives to social media, um, it's it's one of the, the areas I work within. The fact is, when you are honest and when you are authentic, you are bringing people to you that that actually resonate with that and that can feed off your authenticity. Because there's a lot of people who will come to a community and just kind of lurk on the sidelines until they they see how real people are they're not going to dive in they're not going to try and help themselves within the community because we all kind of come into this scared and worried that we don't fit in or we're not the same as the tribe it's very hard i think especially for teenagers who are basically a walking soup of hormones and other stuff <laughs> to, to try to one. yeah to try to fit in 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 a lot of what they see that looks like perfection okay airbrush and filters i think are the worst things that anyone ever came up with unless you're putting a dog nose on me or you know a pirate uh, eye patch which my grandchildren love to do those are the only filters I think that should be allowed because when you present people in such a phony way um, and, and, you know, for instance, went to a, a convention, this is back in 2012, and there were 40 or 50 people at the convention and I was a speaker and there were probably 10 speakers and we had been online with these people for a few years so we thought we knew everybody well out of the 10 there were two people that no one recognized when they came in because what they were who they were and how they presented online had nothing to do with who they were and it was a real almost culture shock when, when they introduced themselves, two separate people, like they, they weren't even from the same area. But by the second day, everybody was kind of shaking their head, like, um, are these really who they say they are? Because like, they're nothing like the people we've been interacting with for so long. I don't know how people have the strength to, to play those parts. It must be totally exhausting. It has to be. Yeah. It has to be. I, I, I just think that people need the one moment. I think that people need that one day. And what you'll find is, is that the, the amount of oxygen that your body is finally going to get for the first time in their life, you'll never want to let it go. Um, I get this. And I, uh, I just took a new job, a new position, a higher position with a new company. And I was invited to go speak in Sarasota, Florida, uh, at wow. a, uh, at an event. And it was a good, it was a great size event, told the CEOs, Hey man, come, come out. I'd like for you to, you know, meet the, the Sarasota board of realtors and some of the people that I know. And, and, um, that was the issue I had. So I had, um, I had gone up to Sarasota. So this is how it happened. Monday of that week, I was called saying, Hey, our moderator and host literally called out cause they got COVID our events on Wednesday. I was like, all right, cool. I got you. It's up the road. I, I can make it. It's no big deal. Tuesday night, I picked up my laundry or my dry cleaning, went home, woke up the next day at four o'clock in the morning, hightailed it to Central Florida because to go to my investment home, I had to get it cleaned up to have it uh, looked at. From there, got some work done, hightailed it to Sarasota. Fantastic. Got there with plenty of time. As I always do, I have my clothes in the back. 
I started changing and I'm looking. I was like, I have, where the hell are my pants? No pair of pants, none, zero. So I'm Oops. here contemplating, okay, I've got time. Do I, I've got shorts, I have to find pants. So I hightailed it to Goodwill. I went to Goodwill, started going through the section and I'm Hispanic. So anybody who's Hispanic understands my, our issues. We're dimensionally challenged. Our legs, our thighs get very large. They're very engorged. <laughs> kind of like if, if they've gone through COVID, you know, it, it happened. But they're natural. It just it just kind of happens. Okay. So our dimensions, our dimensions are completely jacked up. So finding a pair of pants that fit my frame are terrible. I finally put a pair on. I was like, I nailed it. Yeah. When I looked down, the pant leg was about three inches too short. So, oh. I mean, it looks like I'm, it looks like I have capris on. <laughs> I'm like, screw it. Five bucks for pants. I'm going to the, I'm going to the, uh, the event. So I get to the event. I'm BSing and people keep like, what the hell? So I'm I told a story. To Correct. Told a couple of people the stories. I know worries. I get up on stage and we finally get ready to kick off and got everybody introduced. And the first speaker was t speaking about peak performance. He is actually one of seven Tony Robbins public huh. speakers. Yeah. Okay. Super cool guy, Scott Gase. And so we, as I was introducing him, I said, Hey, we're going to be talking about peak performance. You have an amazing speaker and I go one thing about it. I won't even tell you. The one major ingredient that's necessary is being comfortable with who the hell you are because you can't have peak performance being someone else because you're always battling what your nature tells you, right? can never reach it. So I share a story with you. As you guys have probably noticed, for some reason, the bottom of my pants and my feet don't want to touch each other. They're obviously, they're trying to keep social distancing. You want to wonder why? Well, guess what? I came rushing up here from Naples, didn't get my pants from the dry cleaners, had to go to Goodwill, and here we are. Something that people would look at, laugh at, who cares? It's pants. And people started dying laughing, like, what is this guy? So listen, case in point, after the event, the CEOs, the, the CEOs of the company I'm with said, dude, I would have ran from this place. I go, but why? He goes, dude, that's embarrassing. I go, no, it's not. We just put this ultimate value on yep. clothing. Dude, yeah. like we're born naked. We built this country pretty much borderline naked. Like at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They're not here for your pants. They don't care if you're wearing Chanel or Funnel. What they care about is what is the message going to be? How am I going to feel when I leave here? Yeah. And that is, that's really the goal of this guy's being. Yeah. 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 Be you. <laughs> just, just be you. Be unapologetically you. And people will will look at you weird only because it's uncomfortable that you're so comfortable. That's, yeah. that's, that's how people, when people look at you like with this oddness, they're just looking at you with this uncomfortability because they're not comfortable being that. And so that's why I feel bad for people when they look at me or insult me or try to insult me. It's like, eh, my wife says worse, man, get past it. You know, <laughs> every time I think of you now, I'm going to think of you in capris. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you haven't gone through my Instagram because you'll find you'll find the uh, the photo of me dressed up as Snow White on Instagram. Oh, oh you and my son must know each other. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah, he's worn some pretty bizarre outfits too. Did your Did your son ever? Uh, did your I don't know if it, uh, is it, you guys are still together, the father. So your oh, husband. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. So your husband. Did he ever have to go do a job interview and then go through a background check where that company he was trying to get hired for saw that photo? Oh God, no, thank God. My father um, did. Because, yeah, um, because my son has been the gas fairy. He's been in a oh. wedding gown, emceeing an event. Okay, he's been gas man. He's been the hamburglar at a big event. I love him shakes his head i love him but you know yeah he's he's unapologetically who he is there's just this 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 massive layer uh life is a i've been using tiramisu a lot lately but tiramisu's are delicious and they're layered oh. without those layers i mean tiramisu would not be but if you start adding too many layers a tiramisu just gets it's just too much right yeah. life is the same exact way if we're putting so many layers that are of excess yeah. You're losing the real taste to life. And that's what we're doing by trying to be things that we're not. And again, you said it. Social media has a very big play on that. Though society had been doing that, I mean, really since its inception, right? We've always made fun oh, yeah. of people for being different. It's not social media just has, you know, has amplified it. Up. 
thank you have amplified it but just stop adding so many layers those layers not only are disconnecting you from yourself but you're disconnected from other people yeah so and quite honestly don't you think if you know humans are comparative by nature i get that you don't know short unless you know tall you know big and small all of that but don't you think if we were all the same wouldn't it be boring as oh. hell like you wouldn't even want to go out like i i just i i think we should celebrate the fact that people are different yes yes it's there are a rainbow of colors look up in the sky after the rain look at all those colors look at the colors in nature we're not meant to be bland boring and beige it's it's a lovely alliteration, but it doesn't do anything for anyone. Well, just I mean, for people who struggle with it, just look at you know every person that you've seen speak. Because most people, most people in the world, whether you're in business or not, have seen a speaker or, or two, yeah. or been in a church or whatever. You've always been in a position where you've seen someone speak. Who was the one that made who resonated with you the most? Is it the person who was the same person in the line, or was the guy with what you're so used to being up there? So if you use if you you've seen that equation, going back to mathematics, you've seen the equation. The equation works because it resonated with you. Put it into motion. Don't fear it. That person didn't. You should have no fear in that. And it, it's so like I tell people, I wouldn't say I coach, but people that I, I really I get into their butts about kickstarting it, or when I teach courses for real estate professionals to yeah. get into marketing and public speaking. <clears throat> I go, let me ask you all this. Is like, you guys make all these excuses to not do something. Would you put up with it if it was your kid? How about I do this? How about we do this? So you obviously know that marketing, social media marketing, and being present on video is going to amplify your income. It's proven fact. It's just the way it's going to be. So what you're saying is to reach your goal, you got to do X. You're not willing to do X. So what I'd like for you to do is to go home, sit your kids down and say, Hey, listen, guys, I wanted to talk to you guys. I had these goals and I wanted to do X, Y, and Z next year, but because I am so fearful of getting up on camera, I'm just not going to do it. How would that, how would that look like to your kids? And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh, I was like, yeah, I'm sorry. I have to be, you have to be very direct because we like to beat around the bush and like add like some sugar to make it more palatable. No, life isn't like that. Life's going to give you sweet. Life's going to give you really, really nasty and, and, and tart. Okay. That's just the facts. And we've just, just, you'll find it refreshing. Just be you. And if you need, if you need something, I, I don't want people to get into vices. Okay. But even, yeah. you know, there's certain people and listen, I'm going to be very open and honest. I, I, I have my, my marijuana card and I've done it because I got off of my pharmaceuticals that were given to me from the veterans and from the, from the government. And what that's allowed me to do is be in a very different place as well, because we also suffer from a point where our brains have always had the capability of registering things. There's data points that your brain is, I, mean, I think they said 2 million per second, your brain yep. or the, the world is throwing 2 million bits of data into your yep. head. Your brain can only compute, I think it was between 170 to 200 bits out of 2 million. And we're just constantly, and we're in a constant state of this. If you do not have a, have a way of shutting it off to allow for this to just decompress, you're going to get yourself into a bigger hole, which again, expounds the issues on depression, expounds the issues on lack of confidence, on lack of direction. And again, these are all things. And then you add diet into it because we've now figured out that diet plays a ginormous key to depression, especially with children because of the processed foods, even all the way down to bread. So all these things are keeping you or the lack of knowledge in those areas are keeping you from living your better life. I'm not saying that life is not going to be crappy at times because it is. That's just the way it's going to be. I know that some other point I may hit another rock bottom. I've been there. I've lived in my car. I've been close to death again. All these different things. And it may happen again. But I feel like I'm more well-tooled now because I know who I am. And I can always hang my hat on that. So if you're not striving for that, you need to you need to change your priorities. That's, and that's just being honest. Absolutely. Absolutely. And to that group of points... I have to say that it's a nice change that I'm finally walking that walk because I spent basically from 1976 
until I got into social media, funny enough, in 2011, totally hiding because I lost part of my leg in a car accident. And it became this bigger than, than life story in my head that that's all that people saw because we are humans are about story and if we don't come with a story the brain fills in all kinds of things and just in the past 10 years i have done things gone places and there's no longer the same self-consciousness because you know what other people don't see what i see I'm the one that is so focused on these things. And that's what it is about humans. We focus on our flaws because it gives the brain something to do. And humans and human brains are programmed to look for the negatives because it's actually trying to keep you safe. It doesn't want you to change. It doesn't want you to grow. It doesn't want you to go outside of that comfort zone. And when you do, it's fantastic, but it takes a long time to get your brain to go along with you. Your brain's always going to have a leash on you. It's your heart that pushes you past those boundaries. Yeah. If you do test those boundaries, your brain is always going to try and keep you in a box because the box is always going to grow. You know, we say open-mindedness, but really our box looks, or our box, our brain looks at it like a box. We've just yeah. expanded the walls of that box because of experiences. You know, and for you, in, in your case, with, with, with the leg, how long, so you had the accident, okay? Yeah. You lost a portion of your leg. How long do you think that you were in a funk or you were you were just in this thought process? For how long would you say you were in that? Well, I, I'd say I, I, I kind of hid until the early 90s. I hid a lot of it because I was in another hospital a lot, but a lot of it had to do with my perception of my leg and my father god bless him said oh it's really simple just tell people you got bit by a shark it's a better story <laughs> <laughs> so that's where we are now it is a better story i just find it hilarious that you would say that one of my good friends here a veteran you know she had to have her leg amputated due to injuries that she sustained and oh. she has i mean she's got like 20 something legs so we actually, we used to play pranks on people. She would leave a leg places or she'd like bring it. And she has one that's a chalice. So she'll have one on and then she'll have another one come up and then she drinks her beers out of it. So like, it's such a story. So you take, yeah. and that's the, and again, we said framework at the beginning of this conversation. It's again, you'd be amazed at what happens to you in your life, how quickly you can turn to something funny and oh, it kills all the awkwardness, all the Absolutely. awkwardness. Yeah, if, if you bring it for, and, and mine's vertical, not this way, so. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I, I have a friend who, who lost her leg, and she actually makes um, special sleeves for prosthetics. And oh, oh really? my God, they're gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, really cool colors and, and fancy, really fancy stuff, flags, you name it. It's very awesome. And but yeah. It's easier to be real. It's easier to get to a, a oh my God, yeah, yeah. It's incredible. It's, it's, it's how things just kind of hit, bounce off. I'm not sitting here saying that nothing stresses me out. Crap, I'm, I'm stressed right now. There are things happening in my personal life that are stressed, but I can always yeah. hang my hat and say, I'm going to be okay. I really will be. I will be fine. Um, you, you really just have to take the first step whether you have one or both legs, but you just got to take the first step. <laughs> but yes. It's the truth. But hey. You have to take, but again, and the other thing is, I think the other thing we struggle with is false gods. And this isn't, this isn't a religious thing. We, we put people on pedestals that shouldn't be put on pedestals. We, we put, we tend to put the masses that haven't achieved something. And then we ourselves are going to never going to achieve it because the person you're looking up to the people that didn't. You know, I tell people all the time, I was like, you know, it's crazy to me how we think about people that we can't do. We can't overcome something. Really, you can't? Because I know of a public speaker who has no limbs. I'm talking about no arms yes. and legs. And he yes. waddles. He waddles on stage talking about his life. 
one of the best science, science scientists we've ever had in the history of this world couldn't talk. So you yeah. tell me, you tell me that things you can't overcome. The problem is, is that you don't believe in it. And the problem yeah. is you're looking at the wrong place. The, the, you got to go back to the economics. up here. Bingo. This thing yeah. right here. And even if for something traumatic, it may take more time depending on the trauma, but it can happen. We have to put the proper time into it. We have the proper belief in it too as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's you know, let the wound heal. You have to learn the lesson <clears throat> from the scar. And I have to ask you this because I know we're kind of pushing to the end of the end of the, the podcast, but I have to ask you this. We use the term trigger a lot and, and I get yeah. it. I understand where it comes from. Okay. Yeah. In my personal opinion, I feel like we need to get triggered more and not that it's going to trigger me to go off of the deep end, but triggering because when I think of the term trigger, it's, it's like you've never faced it. Yeah. And, yeah. and we talked about this the other day in, in clubhouse, which was, the longer you leave it billowing, the longer you leave it, it's, it's like yes. the sound of silence, right? The sound of silence reference that we made, which was like a cancer silence grows. It will grow. Yeah. It will absolutely grow. If you're not talking to it, whatever you've gone through, their voice is going to get a lot louder than you. Yes. So yeah. you've got to, you've got to have a symbiotic relationship. It's a part of you. It's always going to be a part of you. Absolutely. Or it's going to drown you literally. And, we have to do a better job of it. I had to come to term with some of the demons I was going through, things that I thought I had handled and I didn't. And th that was not only stuff for my family, you know, my family being there and supportive for me, also yeah. being open-minded to other avenues of therapy. I believe in yeah. holistic therapy just as much as I do believe in certain medicines. And we, we've got to be open-minded to the solutions out there. But again, like you said, it really starts with us, plain and simple. It does. It does. Plain Absolutely. And I turn my thoughts around so that I could get to a place where I could do this. And, and now, so instead of saying I'm missing part of my leg, I'm bionic. Cause I am. <laughs> I like it. I love it. So we just need to get, we get a Wi-Fi on that thing. Yeah. Oh, you could, or this one. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this has been excellent, Sid. I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me. Your story is great. You are great. I wish you and the family all the best. I can't wait to hear about the new baby. Miss Cecilia. Yeah, that's going to be lovely. And I love that you've already got her name and and all ready for what it. What a wonderful welcome. You know, you don't know my wife. She has to be prepared for these types of things. If not, she oh. she's gonna drive everyone nuts. <laughs> so, oh we well, there you go. There you go. Right, See? We, we had to know. We had to know. But uh, no, we are we're elated. We're elated to bring another another member of the family. Um, obviously, it's a different part or uh, a part of our lives for us. You know, yeah. we had our first two kids broke and young, and now we're not as broke. No, I'm just kidding. No, we're we're doing a lot better, obviously. Yeah. And and older, right? So we have this. Um, I'm actually trying to look something. I'm, I wanted to. I wanted to say this last little piece, and it's just these oh, two. Perfect. These yes, these two little numbers or these three numbers that I wanted to share with you guys because I always used to write it and it eluded me. If you give me one second, I have to roll down. Okay. Oh. So I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave whoever's watching this. I'm gonna leave you guys with one last thought. Okay, for me, and it's something that I built my my first speeches on. Okay, so I want you to remember the the, the numbers 84, 28, and 23. Okay, we talk a lot about life of not overcoming. We talk about things that we cannot do and that will never happen. But those, the numbers I just gave you are actually the only reason as to why you cannot achieve what is for you. Those, those numbers are actually the dimensions of an average coffin. This comes from a place of, it, it comes from a very personal place because my perspective or my totem, as I've always like to say, like from the movie Inception, we always have to grab onto something. Remember that we're not in a dream. That's something that's real and to bring us back down and humble us and, and ground us. For me, it's the guys and girls that never came back. The 20 year olds that went out that left with no, with, with their families at home, with their kids at home, sons, daughters, uh, wives, husbands, and they never came back. I cannot sit here with the opportunity I've been given to live, to breathe, to be me, 
and not do it. I wasn't given the opportunity that I have to not achieve what I want to achieve all because I've closed my mind to the opportunities that I have in front of me. I have to continue to carry with that because if I don't, I waste it. And how am I to look them in the face in the afterlife and say, well, you know, I kind of meandered. No, I had to chat. I had to chat. I'm here. I'm living and breathing. And to the day that I'm taken, I'm never going to throw that away. But again, it's the only reason being six feet under is the only reason why you cannot achieve what you want. So go effing get it. That's it. Therein ends the lesson. That was exceptional. Why, thank you. Thank, thank you, you, thank you, thank you. Oh, amazing, amazing. Thank you, Sid. You know, at, at some point, we're going to have to talk again. I, 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 I very much look forward to it. Yeah. I, listen, I thank you very, very much, not, not just for the conversation, but for what you're doing. Um, listen, it's, everyone's got a busy life and these are conversations that people obviously don't want to have and do want to have at the same time. And you're giving them a platform for that. And may it continue to grow and may, and may you bless someone with the gusto to go and do it again, because you can't do it by yourself. You're building various communities all because of your one. So I thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank our audience. You'll be able to find all the information about Sid and where you can find Sid in the transcript with the podcast and also later on the YouTube channel. I'm Elaine Lindsay. This is Suicide Zen Forgiveness. Today's guest has been Sid Fernandez. As I often say, make the very best of your today every day, please. And we will see you next time. Take care, guys. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe on your favorite service. Suicide Zen Forgiveness was brought to you by Truel Social Media, the digital integration specialists. Let them get you on page one in the search results.